Today's art sound off prompt is why do I make art? And I don't feel like I could say it any better today than I did one year ago when I did the art sound off challenge, but only for people who support me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jersey, J-E-R-Z-Y. So that's to say, if you enjoy this essay, which is a bit of a longish one because I was, again, I was doing it for people who provided financial support. So I figured that they are very interested in my thoughts on this stuff. Um, but there's lots more. There's uh, Art Sound Off 2022 is there in its entirety and a whole mess of little essays that I recorded while I was making Dr. Bear in the case of the Two-Faced Statue. And I think it's all available for the dollar a month level. So you can go there today if you want. But this is also to say that because this was recorded a year ago, you'll hear me refer to the book as Baron Von Bear, which is what the character was called for a long time until I found out in early 2023 that there's another character from a very popular video game series named Baron Von Bear, so he became the inscrutable Dr. Bear. So with that out of the way, here's the episode. When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Drozd. Why do I make art? Interesting that I found myself in a situation where I had, you know, 20 minutes to record one of these. Um, and it happens right like the day after I had a really heartfelt conversation with a, another artist friend of mine about... I was complaining about something else and we came around through that conversation to why I was so angry and it was because um, I make art because I want to be seen and sometimes I don't admit that to myself. This is one of the biggest things. I, and this is the, the, the kind of stuff that I want to start digging into in um, the Resuscitated Thunder Punch Daily, trying to tell some more personal stories uh, around Baron Von Baer is... Um, because one of the themes of the book is what happens to people when they go unseen. Um, and it's something that's really difficult for me to admit. Although it's funny that like I accept and even embrace the notion that all humans want to be seen. And it's really important to me when I'm in a group that nobody goes unseen. Like if I see a, a group dynamic emerging and there's a couple people that I can de that I detect around the periphery, I will reach out to them and try to draw them in. Um, I I find it really difficult. It, it's it's almost intolerable for me to see somebody not being seen. Uh, and why why would that be, Jersey? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, that, that's, that's my, that's my, aren't we funny? And also I'm feeling pain laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a lot of times in my young life that where I didn't feel like I was seen and I don't just mean childhood. I mean like being 19 years old, knowing I wanted to make comics so badly, like that, like the, every time I drew them, I felt life energy move through me and I knew I need to do this. Um, what do I mean by that? 
the story I tell is like when I decided to be a cartoonist at 11, it's like I, I put down Crisis and in Infinite Earths number three and it's like I was almost out of breath. Now, part of that may be, you know, sort of ginned up, re revisiting a memory multiple times and telling that story. Um, I couldn't tell you now exactly what that moment was like, but in, in the, the, the constantly rewritten memory, yeah, it was like, it was almost like there was electricity in me. But I do remember one story that I haven't told as much, and so I think that the memory is a little bit more pristine, is it was 1991, so what was I? I was like 15 or 16, something like that. And uh, I had a small group of comic book friends and we would go to the comic book store on Wednesdays and I picked up, um, it was Justice League International and I think an issue of the Transformers and I forget what else, I got three three copies because that was, that was what I was budgeted for um, by saving little bits of my lunch money. Oh my gosh, it just sounds so 1930s, doesn't it? I saved my lunch money to go to the penny candy store. Uh, but we got, th I, I saved lunch money to budget for three comic books. And then we would right next to the comic store was a subway sandwich shop and I would get a cold cut combo. Cause I was still a meat eater back then. And, uh, we would sit there and read comics and eat sandwiches. And I'm sitting across from my friend and I guess I made a noise. Um, I made some kind of noise as I was, as I was flipping through the comic and my friend looked across the table and he literally said to me, it's like, I love comics, but I don't think I love comics the way you love comics. And I think in the, in the, in the, in the moment, it was a situation where he was feeling kind of uncomfortable and embarrassed for me. <laughs> but in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that like, even in that horrendous time of discomfort known as teenagerhood, teenhood, uh, I was still in some ways living with a full and open heart. Um, anyway. Yeah, so uh, backtracking to being seen, um, I was gripped by this thing, but I remember being 19 years old and just not knowing how to do it professionally. Um, I didn't have the resources to just jet off to New York to get an apartment and try to like go to the Marvel bullpens. I started making sample pages. I went to the local conventions, started showing them to people, but nobody really gave me very good um, advice or insight on how to do this. They basically just told me, some of them very straightforwardly, just draw like Jim Lee, okay? Come back when you can draw like Jim Lee. So, yeah, I remember feeling very frustrated and not seen because I felt like I was showing up with a genuineness and an enthusiasm and a, and a small degree of talent and skill. I mean, I wasn't that good, but I think I was showing what I could be. Um, and I remember that feeling, like for a long time, feeling really lonely and like I was operating on the periphery. Um, things like that, stories like that are, I think, what inform this sense of urgency when I see people in a group going unseen. Because I think when I was 19, what I wanted so badly was to belong someplace. I wanted to belong, like wh whoever these wonderful people were who are making this medium that filled me with so much electricity, um, I wanted to belong with them. Um, now that's a very naive and uh, understandably naive because I was a kid and I didn't have the context um, sort of picture of things, but um, I think it's informed by this desire to feel 
like I'm, I'm seen in a sense of belonging. So why do I make art? Well, I make art to share my soul, as it were, with a broader context, throw it out like a fishing net and see if anybody else feels that way and see where are the people with whom I belong. Now, the, the sense of belonging has happened in other surprising ways. And this is where, why I used the word naive earlier is that I thought, okay, well, surely the people who make this art that means so much to me must be people like me. Well, yes and no. Um, where I've found a deep sense of belonging is not around comic artists, surprisingly enough. I'm, I'm not saying I don't belong with comic artists. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that like, there's this group of people that I work with. As a matter of fact, as I'm recording this, I'm about to go to an all-day conference for the Ohio Arts Council where a bunch of teaching artists are going to gather to talk about ways to create um, rich and meaningful art programming for the elderly. And this is a group of people that I feel a deep and, and meaningful connection with. And I feel like, let's go to the difference between belonging and fitting in, right? We all know the difference. I, I literally asked my 13-year-old mentee the other day to define that for me. And they were like, well, fitting in is acting like everybody else. Belonging is feeling like you uh, are, are included despite your differences or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. Um and that's what I feel here. It's like, yeah, I'm amongst musicians and dancers and painters and mixed media artists, and but we all connect on something bigger than us. Um, so that sense of being seen and that sense of belonging can happen in ways that, you know, you can't... This is the thing I would say to, to young Jersey is, is like, like, you know, I, I, I get that you want that and keep searching for it because that's where the depth and meaning of being alive will come from. Um, but it, brace yourself that it may not happen in comics. Just because you got that signal from the medium doesn't mean you're going to get that signal from the industry. And let's talk about what we mean by the industry is like, oh gosh, comics is so siloed. You know, when I was working at CXC, that was one of the things that I was really kind of leaning into is this messaging of like everybody belongs. And the auto bio fanographics crowd has as much to to share with the kidlit crowd as the kidlit crowd has to share with the you know edgy almost porn comics crowd right uh but yet you know we're we're tribal animals and we and also we all don't love things for the same reasons and that's okay too so you know some there there are aspects of my attitude of it's all just comics and we really should look past our differences there's there's an element i think of a little bit of naivete there a little bit of um utopianism um because we are just human beings after all but i still think it's something that's that's worth remembering when we get a little bit high on our own horses about how our particular kind of comics is the best or or we feel a little insecure about like well their comics are you know they're published by so and so so they're so much better you know I think it, it, it's it's a good reset button, even if it's not, perhaps not entirely achievable, to like actually have us all just get along. <laughs> but but that was a little you know circumambulation around this idea of like why do I make art? I make art because I really wanted to connect with people who who could sit across the table at Subway with me and feel the same way about the art that I did. And, you know, like, um, the story I've been telling for a decade 
that really like painted a picture of what I wanted as a child was I was uh, dating a girl when I was in high school. I guess it was like, again, 10th or 11th grade. Her dad was an English professor at the local state college. And um, he specialized in some kind of like, not rare poetry, but it was it was some kind of old poetry. Some I don't know enough about poetry to be able to define like different movements or different time periods, but it was old poetry. And he had a he had a friend who was a fellow professor who rode a bike in the rain to his house at three o'clock in the morning because he found this really exciting poem that he had to share with him face to face, right? And when when my girlfriend was telling me that story, she was like, "Yeah, my dad's so dumb." And I reacted to, no, your dad's the coolest dude I've ever heard of in my entire life because he has friends like that. That's what I want. I want that in my life. I want somebody who sees me and feels the same kind of um, enthusiasm and excitement around um, this art form that I feel that they would ride their bike at three o'clock in the morning to my house to share. You know, I found this layout that we just got to look at together. That's why I make art. I wanted that. <laughs> and in some ways I do have that. There are ways in which I've 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 had that sort of like reciprocation in my life of enthusiasm and I'm very very grateful for it. Um and when it comes to Baron von Baer, there's some really really personal stuff in there that I've never put in any of my other books. And um in a way, it's it's the the project itself is a way of me asking to be seen in a more authentic way, and it's really scary. But at the same time, I know I I want it because otherwise it wouldn't be in the book. I put it in there, and so now I just have to be brave enough to ask people to see it and see me. Okay, thank you for supporting me in this project and believing in what I do. Uh, it's it's very, very meaningful, especially, I mean, at the tail end of this little essay. So, uh, I'll be back soon with some kind of fabulous secrets or Thunder Punch Daily thing. I'm not sure yet. One, Something's going to happen with that. Microcasts are happening and they're going to happen on a more frequent basis because I want to, uh, well, I'll talk about it more when I do the project, but in any case, I'll be back soon with something. And until then, remember everybody. Today's story was about something more precious, more valuable than gold or silver. It's called friendship. Orko learned that friendship can't be bought. Giving somebody a present may get that person to act as if he or she is your friend, but don't be fooled. A real friend is someone who likes you for yourself, not your presence. So don't try to buy friendship. Just be yourself and treat others with honesty and respect. And then you'll know the friends you make will be real ones.